Hi everyone, and welcome to the DevMar Debugged podcast, where experts from top companies all over the world share their insights on everything developer marketing. Today, we're joined by Umar Egan, full-stack data scientist, to talk about how developers and engineers can best communicate with non-technical people. So we're joined by Maria Delano, a founder of Kalina Marketing, to talk about why developers don't like marketing at and what actually works for them. Uh, so hi, Maria. It's great to have you. Uh, great to be here. I'm very excited to talk about this. It was oh. it was really fun planning the topic out. I think this is a very relevant topic for a lot of people that market to developers and honestly for a lot of developers because I hear a lot of very strong emotions from their side too. So I, I hope this will be a fun one and hopefully a useful one too. Yeah, I think it will be. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so before we dive into that topic, can you just tell us a little bit yeah. about yourself, your background, what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, so yes, as Teresa mentioned, I am the founder of Kalina Marketing. We're a boutique agency for B2B tech companies. We work a lot with both deep tech and SaaS. And uh, we help people out with basically content-oriented marketing. Uh, it's not all content creation. We also do content strategy, content operations, and distribution. But everything's organized around organic growth, thought leadership, and actual in-depth expert-driven content, right? So we work a lot with doing interviews with SMEs, which often means talking to developers. Right. So why did you decide to focus on the developer persona? It was actually pretty simple because I started out my marketing career uh, when I got hired by a fintech, a B2B fintech startup who had uh, a lot of money. They just raised a round of capital and they were kind of hiring anybody. I had no idea what marketing was. I just needed a job. And I went up to them because they said they were hiring anybody. And I was like, okay, can you hire me? And they're like, what can you do? I was like, I can write. Like, are you scared of code? I'm like, no. It's like, okay, you're in. <laughs> and the job they gave me was initially an internship to write their API documentation. Oh, wow. So my very first marketing related job was to write full from scratch API documentation, uh, which meant that I started out doing technical writing, right? So I was doing the Google technical writing course that's free. I was reading books on technical writing. I was reading everybody's documentation. I was diving into Postman and I was learning about... Uh, re like all of the languages that they were using. I don't remember what they were anymore, but I had to actually make API calls and I spent hours and hours on calls with their head engineer who was like just guiding me through every aspect of how their software worked and how it was built and why. And that was their backend person too. And then I went to the front end people. So I just kind of started, you know how some people learn to swim by being tossed from a boat onto like the deep end yeah. of a river or lake. <laughs> That's how I started my marketing career, essentially. So I started with the most technical you can get. <laughs> and then I kind of made my way to everything else after that, which meant that when I started working on my own, right, started freelancing and then made an agency, tech and like really deep developer focused tech was sort of the most comfortable place for me because that's what I knew how to do. And I wasn't scared of it. And I noticed how many other marketers were. Yeah, no, that's amazing because it is, as you're saying, other marketers are scared of it because it's quite a complicated topic and a lot of technical stuff that if you don't have a technical background, at least from what I've heard from other marketers, it's really hard to just, um, I guess, self-teach those skills, so quite difficult. Um, 
And I guess that segues nicely into today's topic that uh, developers themselves don't like marketing. Well, marketers may not like technical stuff, um, but you know, most people don't like being marketed to. But in your opinion, why do developers seem to really hate sales and marketing? You know, more than more so than most people. So I think there are two reasons for this, um, and I might be biased a bit in terms of the kinds of developers that. I speak to and that I work with, right? Because I have a bit of an infosec focus too. So there's a lot of privacy focused developers that I'm around constantly, which means that one of the main reasons I often hear is honestly privacy related mm. because there's so many technical people that absolutely despise being tracked. And to them, marketing is what tracks them online, right? They think about their information being sold to advertisers. They think about Facebook and Cambridge Analytica, right? That scandal mm. from a few years back. They think about cookies and these pop-ups that ask you to accept a thousand things. They think about ads that suddenly know what else they've been doing, right? And these are people that are so averse to any of that. And they're really conscious of it. And also, if they are actual InfoSec practitioners too, they usually have a lot of knowledge of how many hackers and, mm. you know, bad actors like malicious parties actually do use these kinds of advertising tracking uh, techniques and just technology as well to actually do all of the bad stuff that they do. Right. Um, I follow somebody on Mastodon, uh, Brian Krebs. He's like a very famous InfoSec uh, journalist, and he often does research on spammers, and he often does research on these bad groups, right? These malware propagating groups from Russia and elsewhere that are literally using advertising to try to lure victims in, right? Mm. So you see enough of that, you start to distrust every marketer, right? right. Like that just people start talking about surveillance capitalism a lot too, right? They're talking about facial recognition everywhere. Everybody's trying to get your fingerprint, right? So there's a level of paranoia that kicks in where they think that any tracking is bad tracking and none of it can ever be consensual. And then on the other side, I think this kind of gets into the way I started too, where I started with the really, really technical, really in-depth kind of content, right? With technical API documentation. Yeah. And that means that I am prone to producing the kinds of content that developers actually are interested in because I talk to them first, right? Yeah. But a lot of marketers don't start that way. They start by doing marketing, right? Somewhere, maybe on the job, maybe they learned it somewhere like in, in university, and when they get to the developer side, it's another persona, right? I've seen a lot of agencies that kind of apply the exact same methods to everybody. Mm. And that doesn't often work with technical people, because if you're used to doing the typical approach of let's do the top traffic keywords on Google, right? Let's do the most basic questions that everybody asks you target that basic beginner audience, right? You're talking about the most basic concepts. You're talking about explaining it in the most general, most easily understandable way. And if you're a developer that has been actually working in the field for years and years, you don't need to know what JavaScript is. Yeah. You don't need to know what an API call is. You know the difference between front end and back end. You know what debugging means, right? Yeah. And when you have all of these marketers putting out content for you that's explaining things that you learned, like when you were in diapers, right? It feels condescending, frankly. Mm. So I think that's where a lot of the concern comes from too, when, especially when people talk about fluff. I yeah. think that's what they mean. It's content oriented at beginners 
It's wow. content oriented to students and it's content, frankly, that's often oriented to marketers that are trying to learn about developers rather than actual developers themselves. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Would you say that then something perhaps like community would be a lot more important than just focusing on SEO, just building that that side of, uh, okay, developers are here, let me go talk to them there and build those relationships and forget a little bit about you know SEO keywords and all that. Yeah, and I think it's both, it's not quite forgetting because I don't think you need to forget about them necessarily, mm. but I think you need to approach them differently. And mm. part of the problem is this focus on these really high trafficked ones because they're the most basic ones, right? Yeah. It's, um, you might want to actually focus on the more specialized ones because even though they get less traffic, the traffic they get is the traffic you want, right? One of the mistakes I've seen with SEO firsthand, having initially partnered with an SEO agency and then realizing we didn't agree on things, and mm. so I left. Uh, but that was where I worked on a lot of developer content uh, initially. And basically what we ran into with one client is we managed to rank really high for some basically really big keywords, right? That were very general. It was one to two words and it was extremely high trafficked and we got the snippet, right? Which meant we started getting a lot of traffic to the client. Mm. And then the client comes back like two months later and they tell us, hey, so it's great that you got us to rank that high. We're getting a ton of traffic. None of the traffic is actually qualified though. None of these people will ever become our customers. They're all students or our competitors. Oof, because yeah. who's looking up the same words? Students yeah. and competitors could <laughs> try to write the same content, right? So I don't see the point much in chasing those keywords to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. Something like JavaScript or, I don't know, C++ framework. Like the really basic, like short end kind of uh, keywords because they get too many other people, right? And I think if you are actually trying to make content for developer audience, you have to start with the audience. You have to understand what are they thinking about? What do they read? What do they believe in? What do they have questions about, right? And I often tell my clients when we start out working together, if we're not doing interviews yet, or if for some reason we're not doing them at all, uh, we start by telling them to go read Newsletters, right? There's mm. a lot of newsletters for engineers, like software engineers and developers in particular, that are incredible, that are often written by one practitioner, maybe a small team, who are often working a full-time job alongside doing the newsletter, or they used to and they just switched. And it's extremely in-depth often. It's usually really well-written. They cite a bunch of things. They're explaining concepts, right? You have a ton of people in the comments, if it's on Substack or something. And the way these things are written is nothing like most blogs that an agency or consultant will produce. Yeah. And I often say, look, let's look at this. Let's talk about why this works. I often try to get their technical person on that call, right? So their CTO, maybe their head of engineering, uh, maybe one of their software developers in general. And I ask, does this resonate with you? And then I try to dig in why. And so as they say it themselves, they start to realize it, right? They start to realize the mistakes they've been making and why they need to produce content differently. Yeah, it's more about the quality, not so much the quantity as well. It might as well produce yeah. one big, you know, long form, detailed, well-researched piece than just putting out content. So, you know, that's a really yeah. good point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, of course, because of that, I think it's fair to say that developers don't really hate marketing, perhaps, just more the pushy tactic side of marketing and the fluff and the, all of that. Um, so what do developers really like and 
why yeah 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 so what they like is and i think this is why i started getting to the newsletters they like things that are written by practitioners often mm. or at least sounds like it's written by practitioners right because you can ghostwrite this kind of stuff. It's not a problem. But the reason most of the ghostwriting stuff doesn't work is they kind of don't do it right. Ghostwriting is when you're still using somebody else's words and experience and story and the points they want to make, but you're, they're just not the one writing it because they might not have the time. They might mm -hmm. not be a good writer, right? A lot of practitioners are not good writers and that's fine. They don't need to be. They yep. need to be good coders, uh, but they have the ideas, right? And it's not a matter of, we're just going to stick this person's name on. It's not even a matter of, we're just going to get one quote from them. It's a matter of, we need to know exactly what they would say on this topic, right? And then we figure out how to present it. So in either case, any points that are made in that content come from somebody's direct experience in the field, whether it's still a lower level actual coding software engineer, whether it's a manager, whether it's an actual CTO or a leadership role, Mm -hmm. Somebody who's still a technical person dealing with technical people constantly because they know things that you just, you won't get from any guide out there, right? You won't get it from any explainer for the most part because they will tell you things such as, this is where the common wisdom is wrong, or this is the hype that everybody's obsessed with right now. But actually, I've seen this exact cycle play out 10 years ago. And this new tool isn't that different. And this new framework just feels like this. Or when I was working on this, this is what I've noticed, right? They just give you these nuggets that you can't get anywhere else. And that's usually what developers are looking for because they know the basics. They can also Google things, right? If you think that you can just Google things and write for a developer, have you considered that the developer might also be pretty good at Googling? Yeah, And true. I feel like developers are some of the best ones at actually looking yeah. things up because they look things up for coding constantly, right? Yeah. They have Stack Exchange, <laughs> Stack Overflow, the Reddit forums, any other discussion board. They're very yeah. good at looking things up. So you're either going to be way better than them <laughs> at looking it up or you go have to go to the source, right? And that source can be external or internal. We often tend to work with internal SMEs, right? Again, CTO, head of engineering. A manager for the developers, right? Software engineers in general that are actually building the product because they tend to know most of these things to begin with. And they think about them every day. They're just not talking to marketing because the marketing doesn't try to talk to them often. Right. So would you say it's important or at least it should be best practice, let's say a marketer wanting to attract this technical audience, but they don't have any technical background. Should they, you know, either learn or just work with someone who knows what they're talking about, really, always. Otherwise, this is the eternal question. I yeah. actually collaborated with a friend of mine, uh, Karina Rampelt, who is from another marketing agency, Fenwick. Um, and she has a very similar background to me. She um, also isn't a technical person, um, also worked in her college's writing center. So like teaching people how to write. And uh, we kind of Put our heads together because we were both working on projects making content for developers and we got into this so we ended up writing a whole piece about it um, how to write content for developers if you're not a technical person mm. because we both developed a system and it's a system we've talked to others and we've seen work and it works really well with clients because i personally believe and she agrees and i know some others do that it's honestly harder to learn how to write than how to do the technical concepts in many ways. Like it's easier if somebody's already a technical person, if they know one language, one framework, whatever, it's way easier to teach them how to do something in another language, how to learn another framework, how to apply another technique than it is to teach somebody 
how to write well, because writing well is so, so difficult. Figuring out what ideas to express, how do you communicate them? What is actually important? How do you lay them out? How do you teach somebody essentially? Because I think content is teaching at a distance or like teaching at scale in many ways, which means you need to understand how people actually engage with things, how to keep their interest and how to get them to retain information. And that's not easy. It took me years, right? To Karina years too. It was years of teaching people one-on-one, years of thinking about it, years of writing everywhere, talking to writers, thinking about writing, right? It's, it takes way longer. So I think it's a lot easier to be a writer or to find a good writer and researcher and then add that technical element in often by having them talk to people, having them read things, right? We, whenever we start on a project and whenever I train writers to do something for a technical project, I get them to start reading whatever those developers are reading, right? So I look for, this is our audience. What are they reading? Let's see, let's pull up some recent newsletters, recent blog posts, let's put up podcast episodes, right? We find webinars, YouTube videos, tutorials, whatever it is. And we just spend hours looking at that and just kind of getting to their heads. And then we get on a call usually with somebody that knows about it. And we ask them all the questions we've got, right? So I'll be reading about it. I'll be like, I have no idea what half these words mean. I'll highlight that list. I'll put it out. I'll write out questions. And then I get on a call and I clarify it with an expert. Um, So that's the way we usually quickly get kind of that background. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, when we're planning content, yeah, every idea, usually every statement, most sections, every piece of evidence comes from experts, not from us. And we are just the ones putting it together, prompting them with the right questions, writing it out, and we get their input again. Mm -hmm. So we're the voice, but we're not the brain is what I would say. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's it's really funny because it's the first time I've heard it like that. Usually I hear that it's so much easier to write than just know the technical stuff. Uh, so it's interesting to hear that perspective. Um, yeah, and also interesting <laughs> that you mentioned, you know, teaching. Um, would you yeah. say then that the content should be just aimed, well, say, you know, someone, a marketer really wants to create something. Mm-hmm. Uh, should they have the educational, I guess, perspective in mind when they're trying to write, just thinking about, okay, what does the developer need to know? I'm not trying to promote anything. I just want to educate them on something. Well, it depends. Because not every piece of content has to be educational. In B2B, it often is. When it's aimed at technical people, it often is because people are looking up. How do I do something, right? Uh, But it doesn't have to be. I kind of like thinking about it in terms of it can be educate, entertain, or, and I don't have one that starts with E, but more like, oh, actually I do, empathize. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let's say... Uh, content should do one of three things. It should educate, it should entertain, or it should empathize. And it can do a combination, could do all three, but that's harder and you should have a primary one. So something like a how-to or a tutorial, that's educate, right? Yeah. Something that's more just funny, right? We've made content that's literally helping clients make memes or putting memes together, right? Because a lot of developers love them and just jokes. Yeah. Um, that's entertain or just a really fun delivery, somebody that's just seems funny, right? Yeah. Uh, or interesting to listen to. And um, empathize is more of, that's the typical marketing stuff in certain ways, but you have to do it right. You have to do it delicately. What are their pain points? What are they feeling? How do you show them that you understand them, right? How do you make them feel seen and heard? And that could mean literally talking to people and pulling their opinions and sharing them, right? Mm. So potentially rounding up like expert opinions, like actual ones, or featuring an interview with somebody, 
Or it could mean doing really good copy that makes people feel like, yes, you know exactly what I'm talking about. These are the problems that I have. And yes, you can promote things, but I think the key is what is your intention? Mm. I was reading this book recently that I've been obsessed with. Um, it's called Crucial Conversations. And it's essentially about how to communicate with people. Essentially, um, one of the main goals there is talking about like how do you make people feel safe to trust you, essentially, right? How do you manage to well, first behave in a way where you're safe for people to talk to? And how do you get them to feel safe enough to actually tell you what they're thinking and really feeling and listen to you? And uh, one of the principles in there is called start with the heart. And what that means is you need to, before you start talking to somebody, and again, I think of content as conversations at scale. So this applies very directly. Think about why, like, what is your heart telling you? What is your actual intention? Because mm. people can see right through it. It's very hard to be a good actor. Most people are not good actors. They're not good liars, no matter what they think. Yeah. So you need to know what you're actually feeling there, right? What is your goal here, right? Is your goal actually to connect with people? Or are you just trying to pretend that you understand their pain points, that you're understanding their perspective, that you know where they're coming from because you want to shove a product in their face, right? Yeah. Because I think good marketing isn't forcing products don't have anybody's throat it's helping people see if they are the right ones for that product right i feel like good marketers are connectors rather than i don't know i don't want to say influencers but like persuaders right mm. i don't think a good marketer is one that can trick people into buying something good marketer is somebody that knows who are the right people for a product and helps those people see that they're the right ones or filter themselves out and so i think as long as you start with that goal of yeah, sure, we're trying to promote this, but we're doing it to help people. We're trying to find the people that will genuinely benefit from this. Their lives will be better if they have it. And we understand where they're coming from. We really, really want to help them out. Yeah, They will see that and it will come through in whatever you create. Yeah, and it, it, helping build that trust and that rapport, it just makes makes it easy to also build a community and also build, oh, there's these developers that are there. If I need feedback on my product, they're there you know, to help me promote my product maybe to other developers not perhaps promote the right word but you know advocate i suppose for uh, for a product mm -hmm. it's yeah good to build yeah, this connection yeah i've been thinking about this recently that marketers at their best should be advocate advocates and connectors for their audience so they should be the bridge that kind of advocates for both parties in a way between the audience and the company right and people within that company um, and your job, again, is not to trick anybody. It's not to force people into things they don't want, but it's to help be yeah, the voice and help connect everything that's going on, right? Everything the company is trying to do, the products and services, why did they create them mm -hmm. to what that audience actually needs and wants and looks for. And you don't do anybody any favors by hurting one side or another. Like I feel like if you had to pick, you'd pick the audience, but I don't think you need to. Most of the people I talk to, most of our clients, right, whether they're a tiny startup or a huge corporation, they do want to help people like they believe in their products. Mm -hmm. I know there are some companies out there that don't, but they're not the majority and they're not the ones we work with. So I think if we accept, you know, as a given that that product or service was designed to help somebody solve some sort of problem, right, um, we're not out there doing bad things. We're out there trying to help people improve their lives and careers, right? In whatever way 
that product or service does that. And it's not a bad mission. And I think it's something we can believe in and take pride in and try to do our best with. And I don't think that is something that most audiences would resist, even developers, because if they think, yes, this is actually what I was looking for, they will be very happy about it. And that's usually the moment they don't think of it as marketing because mm. they think of it as help. Interesting. Yeah. I yeah. got two answers on Mastodon, by the way. So Ooh, I can amazing. read them out if you'd like. Absolutely. Um, so this is, uh, you know, we've been talking about what uh, developers actually like and what they don't like. So these are, you know, from the mouth of developers. What you're going yes. to say now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Mastodon is a Twitter alternative that's very developer heavy because it's a it's an open source, like decentralized, very coding heavy. People can set up their own server kind of thing and you can control everything. So a lot of technical people are on there and I have a fairly technical audience. So I asked them when we started recording uh, a question for developers. You know, if you don't like marketing, how do you define that and what do you not like about it? And I got two replies. So let me see. The first one says, uh, marketing should be increasing publicity of something because said person wants to know about it. In practice, it is predatory and invasive. Predatory in the sense that advertisements generally lie, either by omission or outright and exploit human psychology for personal gain. Invasive, because to marketers, anything and anywhere is a moment to market something, and any information about you is theirs to exploit. So I think this gets into what I was talking about earlier, right? You have bad actors, essentially, that yeah. have abused trust, right? You have these spammers that make people very suspicious. And you also, and I've seen this a lot, you have a lot of marketers that mean well, that want to do well, but they don't know how to do better because a lot of the advice out there is from the loudest people who often are the spammiest, right? <laughs> so you're like, yeah. how do I market this? And the advice you get is post as often as you can, talk about it everywhere, keep making people feel fear, right? Like one of my favorite kind of aspects of marketing that we talk about a lot and think about a lot is emotional appeals. But if you start looking up how to market in an emotional way, emotional appeals in marketing, you'll keep getting the same advice, which is activate their fear, right? And why are we doing that? How yeah. often do you think somebody will trust you if your only way of convincing them to do anything is to make them fear you, right? Yeah. Like think about think about trying to make a new friend, right? And you go around, right, a party and you're trying to get people to talk to you and want to like hang out with you again, right? To go grab a coffee another day because you want to make a friend. Are you going to go around trying to make people be afraid? Are you going to be coming up to people and saying, oh my God, we have to leave this party right now because I saw the smoke alarm go off or I think that person has a gun or something. We have to leave. This is not safe. We really need to go. Or your stove's on, you left your stove on, your house is on fire, right? Like, is that person actually wanting to be, going to want to be your friend? Yes, they might leave the party with you. They might take that action that you want them to do that day, but that's not going to build trust. That's mm. not going to build a good rapport and you're not making them feel good. We tend to come back to people, organizations, products that make us feel good yeah. about ourselves, about the world. We're not going to be running to somebody that makes us feel afraid because we don't like feeling afraid. So yeah, it's a shortcut that sacrifices everything else. And that's how you get people that think this way, right? That marketing is predatory and invasive because so much of it, frankly, is. Yeah, um, very strong words, then, but understandable. Yeah, and goes to what you're I, saying about privacy as well. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, here's another answer. Yep. So somebody else said, from personal experience at a not so small company, 
marketing sometimes has to make decisions, make hard decisions about which development team gets the spotlight. So we meet our company revenue goals. That can stress out other teams when they're behind on their own goals, which can lead to F marketing for not giving us enough exposure on our platform. That is something I have never heard before. Oh my God, that is a new perspective. Have you heard anything like this before? No, no, but it's very interesting. That is fascinating because that is internal politics and internal marketing getting in the way of external marketing, right? I guess that is marketing is something that helps everybody, right? If you're featured, it tends to help your career, tends to help your self-esteem. So it has this power, right? which means that people can feel left behind or forgotten or invisible or not cared about if they're not the ones being, you know, put front and center. So I guess that's something to consider too. If you're marketing to developers, consider the feelings internally. (laughs) No, that's a very good point. Again, it's not definitely not something I've heard before, but I guess it does make sense. You've got different teams, usually different goals and different ways of thinking and they're bound to clash. Um, But I, from what you were saying about, you know, collaborating with the technical people, I like to think that, you know, going forward that we're going to see more and more collaboration and the marketer does not need to be a developer as well, but you can talk to the people who are, you know, and you can collaborate and create great things by doing that. And you can be both. I have met people that have both backgrounds. I have Mm. a bit of both backgrounds. So, because I actually have coded before, I was trying to be a physicist. I had a was getting a minor in computer science. I just wasn't very good at it. But like, I do have a bit of it, so it does help, right? And I'm I've been trying to pick it up again. So it's not like it's impossible to know how to do both. But usually, you know how to do one versus the other. And I I get sad seeing people in marketing who are great writers, who are great strategists, who are great researchers, feeling like they can never work with the developer audiences or technical Mm. audiences because they don't know how to code themselves. It feels like a missed opportunity. And it feels like so many people shut themselves out when they really don't need to. But would you, do you have any advice for those people that, you know, it's not scary and you can do it? Uh, I have two kinds of advice. Advice number one is if you don't want to be scared, right? If you really just want to be comfortable, then yeah, pair yourself with technical people, right? Start talking to people internally if you're in-house or if you're a consultant, start getting on calls with the technical people first and foremost, include that in your engagements. Be like, I have to talk to somebody on your technical team, right? Maybe do some research on what kinds of questions to ask. But frankly, when you start talking to a developer, they're going to be very grumpy for like the first five minutes because they're going to think you don't actually want to hear anything from them. So they'll give you the boilerplate answer and think you're done, right? Don't do that. Listen and actually pay attention and ask them the questions you have. You might think they're stupid, like your questions, but they're actually probably going to be really interesting. And the second that technical person realizes you're actually listening to them and you want the real answer, not that boilerplate first thing that comes to mind, that they will light up. And it's one of my favorite things in the world, watching a technical person go from like this grumpy person. They're like, yeah, it's just this. It's very simple. I don't know what you're talking to me. I don't want to be on this call. To their eyes lighting up and suddenly they're telling you everything. They're pulling links. They're pulling out like a scratch pad. They start drawing things and showing you their code. And they're like, oh my God, nobody asks me about this. I'm so glad you're like, it's one of the most fulfilling, rewarding feelings in my marketing career. Yeah, but- and I think... I think if people get a taste of it, they will honestly get addicted to it and want to do it again and again, because it's wonderful. It's wonderful seeing people's eyes light up that way. And then learning things, you will always learn something fascinating. 
And then my second answer is um, I have OCD, right? So obsessive compulsive disorder. And that is fundamentally an anxiety and fear-ridden disease. Basically, your brain's fear mechanism breaks down a little bit. So it's faulty. So it goes off at really silly things that it doesn't need to. And the way you treat that, uh, one of the main ways, is what's called um, exposure and response therapy, I believe. But basically, you're supposed to expose yourself to things that make you feel anxious and make you trigger your obsessive spirals and compulsions. But you're not supposed to hide from it. You're supposed to kind of sit in it, accept it, and deal with it, because eventually you learn that it's not as scary, right? And then the fear starts going away, right? Like, usually sit in it, and it's terrible initially, and then you're fine. So I guess my recommendation here is a type of <laughs> exposure therapy for fear of technical concepts. So I would honestly recommend if people can pick up a technical writing project or even do something for themselves, like again, Google has a great free course on writing technical documentation. So if people can just do that scariest thing in the world, like write extremely technical pieces just for a week, right? Just a small project. Don't have to do it for anybody. If you can help somebody out, that's great. But just do it. Do the scariest thing, which is looking at code, explaining that code, being able to write exactly what that code does. I don't think it will be very difficult to write normal content anymore. Oh, no, <laughs> Even if it is technical. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Thank you. And thank you for opening up as well about, uh, you know, OCD, of course. Uh, I know I completely understand. I have got it yeah. as well, actually. So, oh, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I completely understand <laughs> what you mean. And it can be so, so difficult. And yeah. the first reaction is I just want to run away from this. I don't want to face yeah. this, but, but it, it does make it work. worse. It makes it, it worse makes it over worse. time. Yeah. Because you, then you start trying to control more and more, right? And you're hiding from more and more things. And it's yeah. you're kind of conditioning yourself. You're conditioning yourself to feel yeah. that fear and then run. And then it becomes like a big thing, huge mountain to climb. Um, so I completely get it. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. You're making that fear bigger. Yeah, you are. You definitely are. Um, so I, I agree with that one. And yeah. Do you have any other final thoughts you'd like to share and leave our listeners with? Final thoughts would just be yeah. thinking back to that crucial conversations thing, right? One of the principles was start with the heart. And then the other one, the follow-up to that is once you figure out what your purpose is, ask yourself, if I really wanted to achieve this, right? So if your purpose is I want to connect with our developer audience, or I want our developers to find our content useful, how would you act if you really wanted to achieve that result, right? What would you do to get to that goal? Like what is not what you think you're supposed to do, not what you usually fall into. How would you act to achieve that goal, right? Because I think people will find themselves trying very different things, right? Than going for keywords, right? Or copying their, their competitors or writing another fluffy piece. They will suddenly yeah. find themselves going through much more creative and honestly more effective ways of connecting with developers if that's what their lens is as they're planning their work. So I would say, yeah, next time you're writing content for developers, ask yourself, no. if I really wanted developers to find this useful, how would I act to achieve that? Oh, great. Thank you so much. That's a fantastic way to end this. And yeah. thank you as well for those great thank insights you. and for the developers' insights. Yeah. Uh, they were really good as well. So, yeah, great. Thank you. Yeah. I'm very surprised by that second one. Glad I got it. Thank you for having <laughs> me. And I hope your listeners will find this useful. Yeah. All right. I think they will. 
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of DevMar Debugged. If you want to hear more from professionals in the developer marketing world, subscribe to our podcast for more expert talks. See you on the next one.